Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today on the Winning Edge podcast, we're joined by Sydney trainer Mark Newnham. G'day, Mark. How are you? Very good, Brad. That's the way. Thanks for joining us. A couple of days out from some big group ones. How are the nerves? Uh, no, pretty good, actually. It, um, I don't get worried when things go wrong. So we're going into the weekend um, with uh, touch wood, everything, everything fine with all the horses. Yep. Firstly, um, tell us about your career. How did you get into the game? Um, Where did you get your start in racing? Uh, my grandfather was a, a jockey and a trainer, but uh, he'd, he'd retired by the time I, uh, I started. But uh, Dad was also uh, an uh, editor at the Sydney Morning Herald, and he was the sporting editor when uh, I was probably 8 and 10, and so he was always going to the races every Saturday, so I'd tag along with him. And uh, as soon as I was old enough to leave school, I started at Randwick with Bobby Thompson. Pretty good start in life. So you went overseas as well, did you? Yeah, uh, I did. I did a stint overseas working uh, in uh, in England at, in Newmarket and in Ireland at the Curra. And um, I started riding then when I returned. And then you built up a relationship with uh, Gay Waterhouse at Tulloch Lodge there. Yeah, that was about 1996, I think I had my first ride for Gay, and she hadn't long been training, she'd probably been training three or four years at that stage, and um, that lasted about 20 years, um, I'd say the only time in between then was, I did a couple of stints riding in Asia, and um, actually built up some good contacts that... Uh, our owner's with me now. That's a pretty good grounding to become a trainer in your own right, 20 years with Gay. Yeah, oh, look, you know, she's um, she's a great mentor on and off the track. And, um, oh, look, a lot of, you know, I got an opportunity to um, be involved with a lot of nice horses. And, look, that, that certainly helps today when um, you're looking at history. You're looking at history with horses and, and, and the best way to go about getting to a major race. What were the main things you learned from working for Gay? Um, work ethic or um, different styles of training? Oh, work ethic, certainly. Um, you know, she expected a lot of you, but um, nothing more than she did herself. Um, really good feeder of horses, um, very similar to her father and, uh, and, and Bart Cummings, who I also did a stint with. And look, I think that's a really important part of, you know, your training routine. Uh, because they're athletes, you must, you know, you've got to feed them, um, you know, according to how you work them. So I'm quite a heavy feeder, but uh, with that, they do plenty of work and, and they go to the races fit. You must have got on the back of some nice horses working for Gay and Bart. What were some of the, the highlights for you? Oh, look, Pierre, I was certainly the best horse um, I sat on during that time uh, with Gay. And I just finished my riding career when uh, he he won the Breeders' Plate. I'd, I'd finished probably only a month or two earlier than that, 
and then I actually got to ride him in a couple of barrier trials at the start of his um, last preparation. Nash was out injured and I rode the horse nearly every day in work and um, and I rode him in those couple of trials leading into the Hobartville Stakes. What stood out for him as a racehorse? Um, just sheer talent? Oh, just, just his his attitude, um, you know, apart from his natural ability, he had um, uh, great attitude towards his work, great will to win, um, you know, something that you can't really see from the outside. He, he was a uh, very relaxed animal, just saved all his energy for race day. He's the sort of horse that you could work with, you know, probably the worst horse in the stable and beat it ahead and he'd be working with the best horse in the stable and still beat it ahead. He was one of, he, he knew, he knew how good he was and he knew how to win. And he also rode Fiorente as well, the Melbourne Cup winner, um, a bit of a different horse. Yeah, he was, um, uh, being a European horse, he, um, great lungs. Um, you know, that, that's something that, uh, they differ from in our horses is their lung capacity. And that's just generations of breeding that that style of horse. Um, another horse, really good attitude, but for a, a staying horse, he, he had a good turn of foot, and that's that's what helped him in races here. And I'm sure if he'd he'd have remained sound, or if Gade set him for a Doncaster, he would have been he would have been easily good enough to win a Doncaster. And you've been training on your own right for uh, what four years, five years now. This is my fifth season. season yeah. yeah, pretty competitive market in Sydney. How do you? How do you stand out from the crowd? Oh, look, I think for me, um, I, I, I play to my strengths, which is knowing my horses really well. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I don't want to get too big. Um, you know, I've got 70 horses in work all the time, and that's a good number for me. I wouldn't want to get past, you know, really past that. Um, it allows me to to spend time and observe the horses. Uh, I still ride work, so you know I'm able to jump on a few. Uh, and once, but once you start to get to you know numbers of a hundred plus, it it takes away your time to do that. And I'm not, I'm not sure that would suit me. the The part I enjoy about training is is the part of you know, being able to be part of the horse, you know, I can be there mixing feeds or riding one or taking one for a swim. But once you get to be, you know, a big operation, you, your time's taken up, you know, sitting in front of the computer, sitting in the office. Yep. So very hands-on approach. Yeah, and look, it, it suits my style of training, but it suits me personally because, you know, you've got to have some job satisfaction. And, and you know, as I said, the part I enjoy is, is being able to spend time with the horses and it's obviously reflecting in the results as well you've um consistently got that 20 percent strike rate um i think you're coming 20 percent win strike rate nearly 50 percent strike rate place um 74 winners from 358 starters this season so you're doing pretty well oh look it's going very well um look i've, I've been given good opportunities but that was you know that was built up from a base of three horses the first day i started so um you know, it wasn't as if I've you know, gone into a partnership or started with a full stable. And look, I spend a lot of time placing the horses. So, um, you know, that's generally what I do um, early on a Sunday morning when it's nice and quiet. It allows me time to go through each horse, where I'm going to put them. And, um, you know, it, it's a nice time of day because it's quiet. The phone doesn't ring. So I still get up at, 
you know, half past three, four o'clock on a Sunday morning and spend the next few hours just, you know, checking in at the stables but then uh, programming the horses. And you've placed your five runners on Saturday pretty well. You've got five runners on the second day of the championships at Randwick, four in Group 1s. You must be pretty happy to have such a great representation on a big day. Oh, absolutely. Look at, um, you know, two runners in the Oaks with realistic chances. Um, I'm really pleased with Spirit Ridge going into the Sydney Cup. That's been his goal uh, for the autumn. And he's got there in good shape with 51 and a half on his back and a good draw. Um, Graceful Glamour's been a good mare from the stable um, a whole career. Um, but her performances depend on the weather. Uh, but she gets into the Queen of the Turf in, in really good shape off the back of a good run. Might delve a bit deeper into a couple of your runners. Um, we'll start with the very fine red and the Percy Sykes. Um, one on debut at Hawkesbury, it was 31 bucks. Was it that expected? Or? Yeah, I gave a really good chance, actually. A form uh, in the trials had been good, but uh, probably not up to her work. And uh, she was probably just lacking a set of blinkers. She, um, she just showed a little bit of reluctance in the trials between horses, and um, but uh, was able to convert on race day. So... Look, beating uh, older horses in a maiden is not always easy for a two-year-old to do, and um, she did it, and she did it well. She uh, she missed a run when the races had been washed out in the last few weeks, but has uh, since trialled well. It um, It's a strong race, but uh, look, when you've got a two-year-old filly uh, that's already won a race, they're very hard to place, so... Look, she's there as a as a chance, but being a filly, even if she manages to um, slip into third place, it's uh, it's a fair update on her pedigree. And she's that handy on debut, and she's got barrier five again. So she'll sit pretty handy again, do you think? Yeah, she's got good gate speed, so I'd imagine she'd put herself in the first yep. couple. And uh, Graceful Glamour, um, tell us a bit. Well, firstly, tell us about the All Star Mile. It must have been um, exciting to have a runner down there in Victoria. Well, it was, but... Except for the rain. <laughs> I think it was early in the day when it was a yep. good three, but uh, by the time her race came around, uh, you know, it was mission yep. impossible for her. But look, the one thing about sending her around on a track like that is that she takes no harm from it. Um, she just doesn't go at all. So um, she bounced out of the race well and, um, and performed up to, you know, what she can do at Rose Hill. And she's probably come on a little bit since then. So mile at Ramwick, um, where she's been successful in a Villiers carrying 56. Um, she looks to get control of the race, which is what she likes to do. And, you know, if the rain stays away, she's a um, realistic chance. you got James McDonald on for Josh Parr there as well? Uh, yeah, James was committed elsewhere. Josh has ridden a plenty of work. Um, He's part of the stable, Josh, so um, Rachel had already committed to Nimalee, so he gets his chance on it now, Josh. And uh, Spirit Ridge in the Sydney Cup, he's third up to 3,200 metres. Is he going to be fit enough? Oh, he's surely fit enough. Look, he's a good, clean-winded stayer. Um, he um, he probably just needed the run the other day and it wait for age, but drops down to 51.5, good draw. Um, he's got the profile of a Sydney Cup winner, in the last few years generally the horses down in the weights from good draws that are able to take up a position in running uh, generally run very well uh, his work on monday was great hardly blue so he's he's ready to go. He'll run the two miles yeah I, I think he will look he's judging his work and uh, his recovery rate after galloping um i, I think he'll have no and job. the blinkers come off is that always a plan or 
Yeah, look, just to run, just to help him conserve energy. He, he's run a bit fresh out of the barrier in his last two. And uh, look, with a couple of um, designated leaders in the race and barrier two, he'll get cover straight away. But he's, he actually begins really quickly. And it's been to his detriment these last two runs because there hasn't been anyone to take up the lead. But from a good gate, um, he can just sit on him quietly and, uh, and wait for uh, the wave of forces out wide to come across and give him a bit of cover. And you've got Harmony Rose and Bargain in the Australian Oaks. Um, is that the race you're most looking forward to out of the day? Yeah, oh, look, absolutely. Um, you know, any Group 1 race where you've got the favourite, um, you're looking forward to it. Look, she was... Uh, Look, probably unlucky to be beaten the other day. She just looked too keen in front. And that was probably a combination of things, um, including the fact that she hadn't run for a month. With the races being put back uh, a week, it just um, it just stretched out the, the gap between the Ramwick Guineas and the binary to a month. I did give her a trial in between, but uh, it probably just made a run out a little bit too quickly in the first part of the race, and it told late. So... Now we're coming off the two-week uh, break. She's done well. I've been pleased with her work. She looks fantastic. Um, you know, she looks to posse up in the first two or three, and it doesn't look a race of a lot of pressure early. So it'll be interesting. But uh, look, she looks the main the main hope from the start. She could she lead again or? Yeah, she probably will. Um, and that's not necessarily a tactic we go out. Um, with that in mind, but look, looking at the race, it looks a race of of uh, not much pressure early. And she was she was just a bit keen in front the other day, being first time in front and first time for a month. So I, I wouldn't have any hesitation in the leading. And she'll run the twenty four hundred. Do you think? Oh look, she's she's still got to prove that. Uh, pedigree says on a mother's side that she may may be uh, stretched. But uh, she's a filly with a lovely big action. She looks like a filly that'll get over ground, and, and and she's got a good lung capacity. And what about what about Bargain? He was huge in the uh, Adrian Knox last start. Yeah, not surprising. She's always shown good promise, but is advantaged on soft ground. So look, her chances will be greatly enhanced if we get any rain. But uh, look, the Adrian Knox has been a good lead up in the last few years. And uh, had Quintessa come out of the Adrian Knox last year and finished third. And the first three place getters out of the race last year ran one, two, three. So, um, look, she's drawn one, which means she won't have to get right back as she did the other day when she drew the outside barrier. So, um, look, with a nice soft running behind the pace, um, she would run on well, um, but she would be greatly enhanced if we did get some rain. And you've got a quite, oh, quite a few lightly raced, talented horses which are in the spelling paddock. Um, just get a quick comment on, on a few of those. Uh, what about Quackerjack? Quackerjack will be back for another tilt at the Gong and the uh, Villiers. Um, he had a knee chip removed there um, early early summer, so um, he's uh, convalescing, but he'll be back. Uh, Every Rose, she won that Group Two first up, but she's having a spell after those four runs. Yeah, she's headed to the paddock. Um, look, she really peaked first and second up. Second up probably just took a bit out of her. Uh, 1,400 stretches her at Group 1 level, so it probably just flattened her a little bit. Uh, so she'll come back with a probably a lighter spring and maybe even a shot at one of the Magic yep. Indians races. Uh, big Parade? Big Parade. He's uh, he's in pre-training at the moment, due back in the stable in the next two uh, weeks. Skymax? 
Skymax, uh, he's in some light work just out of the stable at the moment. He doesn't handle wet ground at all, so he'll probably have a very quiet time in the next few months and, and probably aim up at some of the earlier earlier spring stages. What about Splintex? Were you a bit disappointed with him in the challenge in the Galaxy? or? Yeah, look, the Galaxy probably not. Um, he drew 14, so 1,100 metres at Rose Hill is just awful. Um, you know, I probably regret running him now, but uh, he'll go to the Hallmark Stakes Saturday week uh, back to Group 3, level 1,200 Ramwick. That looks a more achievable target for him. And what about Miravale? She won the Group 3 Kembla. Yeah, she's likely to go okay. to stud yep. now um, as a Group 3 winner. Um, it's, it's interesting. Being a trainer, we want to race. Uh, Arafield being breeders, they want to breed. So, um, you know, John uh, John Massara was, um, you know, on to me that, uh, look, the job's been done. She's a Group 3 winner. She's well-related. Um, we want to breed from her now. So um, she, she'll more than likely just go back to Arafield. And Are you hoping up. to get a Group 1 or Group 2 out of her? Or? Oh, look, I could see John's point that uh, she's won a Group 3 and probably didn't look like a Group 1 winner yep. from here. Um, and that would be the only thing that could enhance her value. And, look, she is a valuable mare. Um, you know, the family's flying at the moment. Um, she's a half-sister of Yankee Rose. You've also got isotope in the family. So it, um, I, I see his point. Uh, what about the Irishman? He's a um, pretty talented three-year-old cult. Yeah, the Irishman's getting vetted this afternoon to okay. head to Hong Kong, so it's unlikely we'll see him. All right, again. so he's going to Hong Kong, and you've got Shadow Hero coming back from there. Yeah, and that was um, that, that was not a bad trade-off. Um, the Irishman came here for the same owner um, under the proviso that he was only here to have one preparation and try and get his rating up, and, you know, we managed to do that. So um, Shadow Hero hasn't, um, hasn't fired over there, uh, so he's on his way back. Look, when, when uh, I set a program for him, will be after I've seen him, but look, he might even need to have a little bit of a rest before he comes back. Must be pretty work. wrapped to get him back, though? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's a high-class horse, and, um, you know, they're, they're hard to, you know, they're hard to replace. I mean, he was he was our last Group 1 winner, so it, um, it goes to show that, you know, they're, they're hard to come by those horses. So if we can get him back to his true form, um, there won't be any shortage of races for him. Fantastic. Good news. Um, all the best this weekend, Mark, and keep doing a great job in the training ranks. Um, keep that strike rate up. Great. Thanks very much, Brad. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com, look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.